Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. It's a... Uh... Nice to be here, to be honest with you. <laughs> now, we were just having a little uh, chuckle before we went on air this morning, and um, it's pretty clear to you that it's not a good time to have a bit of a cough. I've been a bit crook. The ticker's playing up a little bit last as of the last couple of weeks. Bit of cardiac failure. And uh, one thing with cardiac not, failure... Not great for someone that's uh, on their <laughs> second part. For those of no. you that are unaware, Aaron had a heart transplant when he was 16. Yep, 2008, and... What it does is I've got a lot of fluid around the heart and uh, it makes you cough a hell of a lot. Which in (laughs) an environment where we're in a pandemic and anyone with a cough, everyone looks at... You may as well walk around with a gun in a shop. (laughs) (laughs) Like like they look at you as if you've you've just murdered an innocent (laughs) child. Like it's... It's not the environment to be walking around indoors coughing, is it? No, it's not. And it's you try you do your best to hide it, and it's a quite a it was quite a nasty cough. It's like a deep, like fluidy cough, and yeah, every person like you walk around the supermarket, and you're literally trying to like get your mask on, and then trying to put your hood over your head so you can cough into something, and every person just looks at you. It's like you've done something so wrong, and. Uh, that's the COVID world we live in now. It's uh, not a fun thing to have. But anyway, is what it is. I'm on the mend and away we go. Now, uh, Victoria, you've been on this for a very long period of time. The silly blue tags that you often <laughs> talk about. We're heading to e-tags. We are. So crayfish, when I say silly blue ta- tags, they have 2017, it got introduced, Pat, a period of time now. And, and, it's, and it's not silly. It, it's, it's really good, but it can be a bit It could have been done. Monotonous. It could have been done a bit better. And they've finally done it a few years later. They've got rid of the so-called silly blue tags because the blue was the first color that came out. So what are they? They are an e-tag. So what you've got to do is you've actually got to download the GoFish app. And this is for recreational crayfishermen. So and we're talking crayfish. We, and why do we tag them? So they just want to, they're trying to get an idea of the numbers that recreational anglers are, are taking and what areas they're coming from uh, through Victoria. So you've got, when you log into the app, you're going to have areas such as like your, your east, central and west of where the crayfish actually come from. Yep. And so what you're going to do is you're going to jump in online and you just register the size that it was. Uh, from the carapace length, as well as uh, also the area you've taken on. So you're not actually giving away your secret reef that you've given your GPS yep. mark. It's just a general area. So the Portfolio Bay Heads, Apollo Bay, Peterborough, Portland, wherever you dive, that's the area you're giving it from. And they're monitoring the stocks. And there's a lot of registered crayfish anglers over the past uh, 2017, like 20,000 registered. Like it's, it's been really good for fisheries to actually monitor it a bit. 
I'm hoping that it doesn't implement anything to do with uh, bag limit changes because well that would just, only be, that would only be, be if the, the data that they were capturing had concluded that it, it isn't sustainable as it currently is yeah hundred percent and that's what I when I say hoping if they've got to do it they've got to bloody do it there's no choice about it but already it's such a big effort for anglers and crayfish diving uh, divers like myself to go out, so, righto, let's pack the boat today. I'm going to go spend 30 bucks, 40 bucks to get my tanks filled. I've already spent three grand to get all my dive gear for the year because I'm actually going to buy new dive gear and we're coming into dive season, hence why we're talking about it. As of after the 15th, we can take crayfish again and it's only two crays per person. So for me, I actually don't feel as though it's a lot of crayfish. Now, no, I agree. I, it's a big effort for me to go diving with a mate to catch... Oh, well, I'm going to go diving. All of a sudden, bang, four crayfish and you're done. But it's the experience of going out. It's beyond just how many you can take. That's... I, I get that, but it's... Like, all I'm saying, it's a, for, as a wreck diver, it's a... Like, if people go, oh, you go diving and you're only allowed two crays. Like, well, yeah, I'll get one for me and one for mum. Yeah. Like, that's pretty much it. Like, and you're spending... You're making a big effort. So, hopefully, there are numbers are going on the positive side and they might be able to increase it to maybe three. Who knows? Um, I will need one for Christmas. See, this is the thing. This is actually the thing. I go for Christmas. Now, this is the, with diving. It's not like going whiting fishing or snapper fishing where you get multiple days to be able to do it. You need the swell to be low. You need the water to be clear. And you need less than 4,000 mil of rain, which, <laughs> which we're currently experiencing at the <laughs> moment. Just, it's unbelievable. Alice Springs nearly sunk during the week. <laughs> <laughs> but... It's it's uh, even they cop and rain. That's saying something. But it's uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where everyone wants a crayfish for Christmas, and you only get from now to Christmas. Say let's let's be honest. Say you get a month to dive for crays. You might only get people work, and yep. you might only get a Do couple. I, I don't. People tell me I don't. You don't. So we've got it pretty good, I think. But a lot of people go out I'm to not work. Complaining. A lot of people go out to work. I was complaining last week, but we won't talk about that either. We are, a lot of people go diving, and they might only get two days, and they're only allowed two crayfish, like or four overall, but two yeah. a day. And then they're like, oh well. And then all of a sudden, I have you want a crayfish. I've got mum and dad want a crayfish. Nan wants a crayfish. Everyone wants a crayfish, and there's only so many days you can get to do it. So anyway, hopefully these tags play a great role for us. Make sure you download the app. It's the Go Fish app. Cray season is about to open. Next week, we're going to do a bit more info on the cray diving. Where are we going to look? We're going to go through some gear. So that's the plan for next week. And uh, I think you're going on to the next thing, Patrick, because I've dragged on for too long. No, you haven't. That's fine. Uh, now, we're going to talk a little bit of technology. Now, My oh, favourite segment of the week, this it, one. Fat, it, it is your favourite segment of the week. And before we get on to we're going to talk uh, a little bit about electric propulsion. But riveting. Rivian. I'm saying Rivian, as in this is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Rivian, uh, the automaker, overnight went um, public. So we spoke about this truck for the few weeks ago. We're, we've been talking about it for a while now. Uh, and it's been valued at a, at a price that exceeds 100 billion US, making it the sixth most valuable car maker. And it's built fewer than 60 production cars. To give you a bit of an idea, Redmond, it's now worth more than General Motors, more than Ford. Now, Ford has invested in Rivian. and mm-hmm. put I think they've got 12% of it. It's worth more than BMW, Hyundai, Kia, and Ferrari. So they've been backed by the best. Well, they've been backed. 20% ownership stake is Amazon. They've 
Um, yep. They've ordered 100,000 vehicles and Ford have 12%. So two really big global players. But it's a bit like Tesla was 10 years ago. Now they're predicting that they'll lose you know, $1.3 billion, I think it is, next year. Not much money. Um, and, and, and continue to go on with that um, for the next few years as they invest in the tech. And they start to actually build production cars and we start to see them in the in the market, obviously in the US market. But it's quite astonishing at 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 a hundred billion, Tesla valued at one point one trillion, Toyota two hundred and forty seven billion, Volkswagen one forty. Um it's quite astonishing. Like they're really big players, been around a long time. And the reception that we've seen globally on this vehicle in particular backed by Amazon, backed by Ford, has been astonishing. (laughs) So it will be interesting to see as we continue to say, we'd love to see it in Australia quite clearly. Um, My question is, is it going to work? Well, you don't have a valuation that high so quickly (laughs) if it ain't going to work. Speaking of not going to work, this one's... Now, you know how I love my electrification technology. (laughs) Electrification. <laughs> yep. e- Emotion, the world's most powerful electro- electric outboard uh, motor, has started production. Yep. It's gonna, this uh, for those unaware. It's a Canadian-based company, um, and they're they're aiming at mass producing uh, electric outboards, essentially. And I'll give you some numbers here, Redmond, because whilst I'm excited about it, I'm not not overly sort of uh, jumping for joy compared to say. Rivian and what we've seen in the auto industry with how the range of electric vehicles is now no issue. They can tow, you know, four and a half, five ton the Rivians, like no issues there. But when it comes to electric outboard propulsion, so 180 horsepower um, mm-hmm. uses a 60 kilowatt battery to feed it. But this is the one that's a little bit concerning. Fully charged. Little bit. I'm <laughs> little bit. You can go, Patrick, 17 knots at cruise speed. Now, this is a, a 5.5 <laughs> to a 7.9 metre boat. So, there's a fair discrepancy in those two. Like, 5.5 <laughs> metre boat. It doesn't even make sense. A one and a half tonne. That's Se- smaller than my boat and bigger than your boat. Bigger and, than your boat. And, seven and a, 7.9, that's up around four tonne. Um, you just need five of them on co- there. Covering 60 nautical miles at a cruise speed of 17 knots. So, so to put it in comparison, I'm doing upwards of 200 kilometres out of Apollo Bay chasing those barrel bluefin a few months back. Yep. I'm cruise speed to get there is probably a bit quicker than that, depending on the conditions. Yep. Uh, I'm using between 150 to 200 litres of fuel a day. And I know that I've got more fuel in the bank to get home than what I need. Yep. Now, this thing, you're playing with fire. You're literally putting a fire out in the bush because it's just... What happens if you run out of power out there? Do you just put solar panels up and start charging about, it? Like, what do you do? You sound like, like Scott Morrison. It's not going to tie your caravan. Well, it's not going to tie your boat. As Craig's got me in his phone, the realistic man, I'll tell you what, this ain't going to work. And if it does, I'm not telling you back in. It, it's, <laughs> a, it's a start, but... It's safe to say... Put a finish to it. it <laughs> it's safe to say uh, it's a while away before we see it um, at your local... Do you, reckon that, do you reckon we'll see this on boats soon? Well, well, I'm going, well, no, there's no, no chance. No, we absolutely will, but we're not going to see it in... Like, you might use it... Oh, in, 
like commercially you might see it on like those bigger ferries or whatever like but you're not going to see it in the open ocean for a while uh, a thresher <laughs> shark caught from the Port River. This was astonishing during yeah, the week. Yeah, I wasn't sure whether to put this in the, the whip around or I thought I'd let you have your shine through this one. Well, I just thought it was pretty sensational to, to, to see. I'm not, I'm not that familiar with the Port River. Is it? Take us through it. You're obviously from Adelaide and whatnot. Are you, not, not, not that common to shark for sharks? Uh, definitely not. Definitely not. Nah, you definitely like different stages throughout the year. You'll get, um, you'll get kingfish that will go in there. Um, but there's a fair bit of commercial activity that happens through the Port River. Yeah. So to catch a, a thresher shark on a surface popper, that's about as good as it gets. Threshers are an ideal species. They're probably the one species I love catching, whether it's releasing or eating it, because they are sensational eating fish. The colours, the tail, the jumps, the aerial work, everything these fish do are just sensation- sensational. Are they as good as a mako to catch? I'm Bob. I think they're better. They're different. They're yep. different. I see. I agree. Yeah, I think they're better. They're they're just fast. Like a mako's fast, but a mako can go down a little bit. They do their jumps. Where these threshers can race, they can. Ju- I'm and going thresher, and they're less likely to jump on your boat <laughs> and, and destroy it. But they're more likely to smash you in the back of their head with their tail when you're just trying to grab it at the side of the boat. That's literally their tail is the same size as their body, so they can literally smack you in the back of the head when you've got them close to the boat side. Not a word of a lie; it's happened multiple times. Uh, but right now is a prime time in catching threshers in my waterway that I fish, and you want to set up similar to areas, those reefs and gummies, uh, snapper and gummy area where, you, where you're going to, sorry, where you're going to set up for snapper and gummies, run a bait halfway down, get a nice burly trail coming. And if you can get like a pinky that's on, that obviously oversized, slimy mackerel or yakka, I like to have a live bait out as such for them. And then also a dead bait because I'll say a fillet of that actual uh, slimy mackerel or yakka or whatever it is, I like to have them and I sort of sit them in the water column roughly that sort of one might be four meters down one might be 15 meters down depending on the depth but don't get it near the bottom yep. stay up from the bottom there are a lot of fish threshers that do get hooked off the bottom but the problem is having your baits close to the bottom other species will play around with them and destroy your baits where you don't want that happening Redman, your week in fishing there has been a bit of squid a little bit of whiting a bit of snapper a bit of everything it has a bit of everything this week and one thing i did say was going to happen during the week was following that moon phase uh, off the back of, say, when you and I got that big fish the other week, the barrel tuna and the ones that I got beforehand and a few fish, it was good to see, well, they they shut down over that last moon and then literally to, pre- to pretty much the day, they fired back up again. Not many people chasing them, but those that did had life marked up fish and hooked fish. Has it been challenging with, like, clearly with the amount of water at the moment pumping out from the Otways throughout south of Victoria? It's it's pretty dirty water up until that sort of 40-metre line. Almost. It is, and those fish are out past it. They're not sitting yeah. in the crap. They're out past it. They're sitting in that. They're not sitting in the fresh. They're well out past They're in the 60s this week, which was good. So they're sitting in that clear water where all the bait... The, the saltwater fish don't want to be in that freshwater stuff. So they're pushing out further into that cleaner yep. water. Uh, the squid... So what we did have was small swell, though, and the swells what um, impacts our fishery down the bottom end of the Pawpaw Bay heads. Now, those big calamari that we've talked about was probably my first week of like red hot calamari fishing, like proper egg fishing. So eggs everywhere on the bottom. So you're finding the eggs yep. as in visually located. Yeah, them. visually. Decent pair of sunnies makes a friggin' hell of a difference. You don't yep. understand. And I get frustrated when I always have a spare pair of glasses on my boat polarized. I wear tonics, but I have them on the boat that for the boys to wear because I just get frustrated. I'm like, can you see them? And I'm depending on them to catch squid. And if I you miss them, and it could be that literally could be your twenty or thirty squid in fifteen minutes. Like it's red hot when you're on top of the eggs, like red hot. 
And if you want to get those... So if you're, 10, if you're on the other side of the boat, you could be eight, ten metres away. You're not going to get them. No, that's right. Or you're you going to get... Yeah, you're just going to... Well, it's a prime example. I fished near Paul Worsling during the week and I found a patch of eggs and I called Paul over and Paul sat right next to me. And when I say close, he was probably only, say, five metres from me. But because the tide was coming in, naturally your lines swing straight, so they pull straight. And what, he had to cast sideways and let it sink behind our boat to pull straight. And once... If, he, if it drifted through the weed bed without getting one, once it pulled tight for him, he wasn't going to get a fish. Where we could just keep tethering our line down and the eggs were in such a big, long, straight line along that weed bed, we could keep catching them. So it's yep. important to be on top of them and in that same line of them. You don't want them under your boat necessarily in tide because your jig's not going to hit the, go down to the bottom in tide. You actually want to be maybe 15 metres up and by the time you let your jig sink, that's where it's in its prime sort of depth. How do you... How do you Best locate the eggs for those that are looking to just fish ice it first. So, we're looking for for weed beds in shallow water, ideally because if you go too deep, you're not going to be able to see through it. Yep. So shallow water, you want to. It's purely ice. Like it, you're just looking for them. But you can do trial and error too. You can set up drifts over known areas where they drop. For instance, I catch them in 10, 12, 14 meters of water. I know they're on eggs. You pull up a squid jig occasionally, and you've got eggs on them. Uh, and you're just literally doing drifts over the common area, but then you hit mark, and then you keep hitting those, hitting that same area, and that's why you, where you're going to get them. Uh, the snapper is still going a bit slow, Pat. They're they're there, they're going in areas. But has the water? It's bloody cold. Has the freshwater effect that? Yep. Like freshwater, obviously, I like fish colder than salt. I went up to Carrum the other week, and I. When I say Carrum, I call the whole east side of Portfolio Bay Carrum because I don't know where I am land base. <laughs> but between Carrum and, say, Mornington, we were there somewhere. And on Lee Rayner, who we're going to have on the show today, Pat, he um, he actually said to me, the fresh water's insane up there. And I went in 15 metres of water. And I couldn't believe that it looked... It was like a a tea, like an ice tea colour. Like it was a yucky watery colour, like mixed in with salt. So I actually pushed out away from it, out into 20 metres. And that's where I got my snapper. Sure enough, they were out there. So it is playing an impact. And the whiting fishing, those big tides, they fish really, really well. So it is, I'm going to be honest, the snapper fishing isn't red hot yet. It is in some parts of the bay, like right up the top, St Kilda, Melbourne, Black Rock, but they're only small selected areas. But they're not in those... Give it another two weeks. Another week, two weeks. It's open. It's definitely worth fishing for them. But it's not super, super hot yet. It's it's not far away. We've got a massive show of real adventures coming your way. As Aaron said, Lee Rayner joins us from Fishing Edge. All that and more on Real Adventures this morning. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures it's time for a bit of a look around at what's biting around the country, Redmond. Uh, we're going to start in Tasmania. We are, and going to go into a bit of offshore stuff. The offshore fishing is going to heat up in Tassie. Uh, well, it doesn't really slow down, to be honest with you, but we're coming into summer where everything's there. Uh, Tassie trumpeter. Yep. It's very sought-after species Beautiful throughout Tasmania, fish. east bottom end of uh, New South Wales, right into Portland and whatnot. It's it, not necessarily a Tasmanian fish, but it is the Tassie trumpeter. They pull hard... They pull like mad, to be honest with you, and they taste really good. And they're starting to fish really well out of the Southport in Tasmania. Uh, the Sisters Beach uh, has been really good for salmon captures. Metals have been working really, really well, but the more important factor coming into the consistency side of it is timing your run with the fresh water. And a lot of rain. Tassie, I think it rains there all the bloody time, but it, uh, Tassie... Um, Coming from Geelong. Yeah, I can't really talk at the minute how much rain we've got. But it's, uh, yeah, it's fishing really well. Just If you do get a downpour of fresh water that's sitting in close, 
target because that's where you where you're casting on the beaches. So make sure you sort of time your run where you haven't got too much fresh water on the actual enclosed beaches. Yep. The Pyman River has been on fire this week with trout literally from three, four pound right up to the twelve pound really mark. Really good size fish, haven't they? Big, really big fish, browns and rainbows, and they're working really. Plastics are working really well, yep. and that's what I'm seeing right through. Uh, right through. The whole of uh, Tasmania right now, the plastics is fishing really, really good. Western Australia, the uh, black brim in the Swan River have been fishing really well this week. Vibes have been really popular, as well as really small, soft plastics. Yep, plastics, dynamite. And then just the abalone part, I just want to mention, they just announced the abalone uh, days that you can actually take abalone for in Western Australia. So the dates that are announced are Saturday the 11th of December, Saturday the 8th of January, Saturday the 5th of February and Saturday the 19th of February. And we will try and announce this again before yep. uh, throughout. The, keep giving yeah, updates. Keep yep. you updated with it all. But you just got to remember that we have seen deaths come from this because yeah. people are in their ankle deep to knee deep water. They've got their snorkel on and they're getting caught in rocks and going out of their, I guess, yep. their comfort zone and where they can get abalone from. So be safe when you are doing this. Uh, they were a fantastic organisation last year with how they monitored it. They had a few real bad days on multiple days that weather weather depend. It's very weather dependent, Absolutely. and they had major weather dramas last year on days. So they actually opened up different days to allow um, direct anglers to get amongst the abalone fishery. But be safe and make sure you do you do get some abalone if you can. Uh, the Swan River again is seeing some really good mulloway. Um, there's a few um, Taylor as well keeping anglers busy but you gotta be patient for them when you fish for them you do and when i say when you said mulloway fishing it's it's still early we're coming into the summer and it's about to really really get better and better so uh be patient when you are chasing these mulloway in the swan river south australia as we mentioned off the top of the show there was a thresher shark uh caught on a surface popper in the port river now i don't think that's necessarily something that you're going to go out and target every day of the week uh but turn uh certainly turned it on this week on the whiting front there's been bag limit captures uh on offer with pippies and squid being the best baits uh as a bit of a cocktail uh port victoria also um has been fishing really well for whiting um, there's been plenty of leather jackets in, in amongst that as well. So depending on whether you like your leather jackets or not, you've sort you of know like it's feed the most, through some of those. My, my mother works at the deli in supermarket, and it's the most bought fish from the supermarket, leather jacket. Do you know really? that? That's it. They sell the most leather jacket out of all species of fish. It's like when you go to a restaurant and you see gurnet on the menu. Well, Paul Worsing and then like, was oh, literally terrible. catching gurnet and going, this is my favourite fish. And then you but eat it. It's a beautiful eating fish. It's unbelievable. <laughs> thought you were going to say that. So good... And, and calamari. Yeah, I was about Sorry. to throw that in. Some good calamari from Port Victoria. New South Wales ribbon. Will Harrison landed a 1.25. Now, it's not uncommon for this place, but 1.25 metre, 15 kilo kingy from the Marimbula Jetty this week on a live squid. So we do say this happened, but it was sort of the first one. And as we know, the first one's the best one. So well done to him. That's a cracking kingfish land-based. Fishing out wide from Naruma to Burmy, we had yellowfin, not big, up to 20 kilo, as well as some albacore. And albacore, they call it chicken of the sea, so if you can get amongst them, make sure you do. It's actually a much different uh, meat yeah, to a bluefin. texture of it. It's white. Yeah. It's a white meat yeah. as well. It's purely white. It's like flathead. It's completely different to our normal tuna as such. Uh, and fishing the shallow beaches around Sydney, the yellowfin whiting have been good on little poppers and also beachworms. And the last one, Pat, before we get into the social club, Morton Bay had a great week with some snapper up to five kilo being caught right through the bay, as well as some kingfish up to 10 kilo 
So fishing really, really well, uh, Morton Bay at the moment. It's time for the social club. It is. We take your questions from social media. Uh, if you want to join in the conversation, make sure you send us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook, uh, or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. Question one, Jed. Red, when will you start turning your focus to kingfish? <sighs> Jesus, Jed. I haven't even turned it to snapper yet because the water's still too cold. It's too cold, it's isn't it? too cold. It's we're, not, yet. we're not far away, though. Uh, I reckon between now and... Well, just to give you an example, we're about to start diving. And I don't like diving in cold water. So it has to heat up soon so I can go diving. But no, <laughs> it, has to, it has to happen. Where it's going to be a rapid increase. We're going to start seeing... We're still in spring. We're going to start seeing that summer weather kick in and it's going to heat up quick. We just need consistency and we need those currents to come down from the East Coast. Yeah. East, yeah, tongue twister. East Coast holding that 18 degrees weather, a water that we can actually get these fish in. And Gwaine Blake, we've got to get him on. I said it last week, so I apologise. But we'll try and get him on next week, Pat, to take us through uh, a little bit more about kingfish and whatnot. So stay tuned, Jed. It will happen soon. Uh, the next question is from Max. Danger. What do you have on your boat when you're storing it right now? What do I have on it? So I'm tipping he's going with, like, what are you storing? Like, have you got a cover on it or... Oh, that's a good question, actually. Yeah, I've had a few different boats stored throughout my time. Living in Adelaide, I stored it at um, a place called Epic Storage, which was terrible because stuff got knocked off out of it. <laughs> but because I didn't have proper covers over it either, I had a tarp, easy to remove, whereas now I've got a really well set up... Um, Boat cover that's Storage custom cover. made for it, um, and it's it's like honestly, it's not locked. But I tell you what, it's thumb locked. You can't you can't snap yeah, I've, things I've, off. I've done it five times. My, do you know how you had thumb surgery? I need mine done too. <laughs> but but it keeps it keeps it in good nick. I, like I think so. Your it's not covering yours. Isn't covering the whole vessel. It's just the. No, it's a hard top, so there's no yep. there's no need to. I mean, it's obviously different if you don't have a hard top and you got to fold down your. Bimney and whatnot. Your bimney, do you keep your clears on the whole time? That's the beauty of a hard top. You just need to cover the back and the whole boat is enclosed. So, I mean, it's why they've become so popular. Uh, Kane, boys, you've mentioned a few products to show, uh, to help uh, keep You mentioned a few products on the show. Yep. And and, and maintenance free when it comes to um, keeping things looking nice. Cheers, Kane. Rainex and Duplex. Didn't word that super well, Kane. Yes, Rain-X and Duplex. Rain-X is what we're using on the windscreen. It's what we're using. We're using that. We haven't done your boat yet, to be honest with you. I've got some at home, actually, so I need to, when we bring it, go and out And you've got to buff it in, don't you? You like, need to, yeah. It you, takes effort to put on. It is an effort. So it's not super hard, but it's time-consuming because you've got to put it on, wash it off, put it on, wash it off. I like to do three coats of it. And then if you are a clear sort of person, Duplex is the uh, item that you want. It's It keeps your clears in smick condition. It and, just And clears are one of those things. You, you They're pricks of things. But you have to be careful with how you clean them because you can scratch them so easy. 100%. And once you scratch them, you can't buff them out. No, clears, like, all boats, are not all boats, a lot of boats have them. I've got them. They are very hard to maintain. Even zips and stuff on it, Pat, even putting them back on when you take them down, they nightmare. can be they're yeah. a nightmare. So just another tip if you are storing them and are off the boat and you want to put them on, heat them up. Like on the ground, Get a get a kettle and get the water hot and maybe not boiling water, but put warm hot water over the actual clears before you put them on, and they will stretch and they will give, it, yeah. and that's the best way to uh to get them on. That wraps up the social club. If you want a uh, question for Aaron or I, shoot it into our Real Adventures social. Simply direct messages, and we'll do our best to get back to your questions. 
gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. It's time for gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. Our special guest this morning is Lee Rayner of Fishing Edge fame and plenty more. Good morning, Leroy. How you going, guys? Now, we caught up with you a few weeks ago, Lee. Hand over the 750 North Hand Bank. over the 750. Yep. And you and I were, were, were talking about uh, fishing for EPs and Aaron switched off because you... <laughs> You, he just doesn't get it, Pat. No, nah, he's a, he's he's a uh, a meat and potato sort of fishman. Only uses bait. <laughs> I like steak and veg. He's, and not, he's not classy. <laughs> I don't have Ray Bans and a and a Range Rover. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Something that neither Lee and I uh, have either. But we were we, we were talking about fishing for EPs. Um, Estuary perch for those. Estuary perch. Yep. Um, really a bucket list fish for so many people. Um, mainly yep. Pat. And and using flies to catch them, um, and you you really you got me excited when you were talking about it and, and how you fish for them. It's where we want to kick off this morning's chat. Yeah, well, look, I suppose that, you know the great thing about EPs is people probably don't realise how widespread they are because you get them down your way paddle, and we get them all the way down to Glenelg River in the west, and you get them all the way up to the Hawkesbury, you know, in New South Wales, and they're in drains and estuaries and creeks, you name it. They're, Perch are there in a lot of places. Except Bass Strait. <laughs> They're not in Bass Strait. Well, do you know what? They do get into Bass Strait. Don't say that. <laughs> Here's the fact. They will actually migrate from estuary to estuary. There's been perch that have come out of places like Malacuda and ended up down in Gippsland Lake. Yeah, right. That have been that right? That's how much they can do it. And they've actually been netted out in like 30 fathoms and 40 fathoms of water, which is 60 to 80 metres of water. So talk to us how, how you've fished them uh, throughout your your fishing life because it's obviously changed as technology's gotten better, lure yep. um, construction's changed, and then and then fly fishing, obviously. Yeah, totally. And the first perch I ever caught properly were on the fly. Um, they're just made for it. They're basically barrow of the south. And a lot of the areas of fishing are shallow or weedy or snaggy and stuff like that. And, and they, they love eating stuff off the surface. They love eating prawns and things. And there's so many good flies that imitate all that sort of shrimpy stuff so well. Um, so fly fishing for me is probably one of my favourite ways to chase them. That's that's without doubt. But they'll eat plastic, they'll eat divers, they'll eat all you know different stuff. So when you fish for barra, obviously it's it's almost as slow as you can possibly go. Yep. The techniques for retrieval when it comes to fly and and lure when it comes to EPs. Yeah, it's a funny one, guys. Like. With plastics and hard bodies, you tend to fish them as slow as you can, right? You get a hard body down and just twitch it and get it to sit and do all that sort of stuff. But then you'll catch them trolling, so when the lure's just moving. But on the fly, I, without doubt, I find the best retrieve is actually quite quick, just very short, little erratic strips that I suppose it makes the fly look like a little prawn or a shrimp just, you know, darting through the water. And, and that fast retrieve on the fly really seems to fire them up, that's for sure. What about timing, Lee? Is it is it middle of the day? Is it early in the morning, late afternoon? Oh, look, they're, they're built for night feeding. Those things, got big eyes, big mouth, all that sort of stuff. But they do feed at any time of the day. They love the tides. Basically, um, you know, a tide change is good, just like it is for any fish. Um, and I do like my run-out tides. Basically, just anyone who fishes for barramundi, in most cases, a run-out tide is so good because it's, you know, less water into a creek or an estuary, you know, the fish are more confined, they're waiting for the food to get flushed down to them, 
and it just tends to work. So run out tide would be my favourite. I love that period building up to a full moon. Um, but you know what, perch are perch, man, and they're just one of those fish. You could put a thousand casts at them one day and get nothing, and then the next day you can catch fifty. That's just how they are. Uh, it's, I've seen a I've seen a dodgy deal go down on that seven fifty North Bank a few weeks back. <laughs> Lee ran to the car with his head down and come back with a handful of uh, flies. Flies. <laughs> flies. Sorry, he didn't know where I was going there. He come back with a handful of flies, and uh, during the week just gone, or might even end the last week. Pat goes, "I've lost Lee's number. Can you fire it over to me?" I said, "Yeah, no worries." So I sent Lee's number over to Pat. What was the phone call about? No, I was going to thank Lee. Okay, yep. And, and then, and then maybe, have you got any more? <laughs> so, as if you're going to live on the if you're going to live on the the edge, Redmond, and you're going to you know really cast to the banks. Sometimes you, there's going to there's going to be yeah. some casualties of fishing. I'm pretty sure exactly. you were blaming your sore thumb. <laughs> and if you, yeah, and if you're not getting the salad, mate, you're not getting bit. That's <laughs> yeah, the truth. Exactly right. <laughs> let's like. get away from this rubbish fishing and let's oh. go into some better stuff. Uh, <laughs> Lee headed down to uh, uh, Lake's entrance with, uh, with his partner a few, well, not even, probably a week or so back. And yep. before we get into the fishing side of things, I just you were heading out to go spinning in some flathead, but you come across yep. what's known as a gill net. Uh, can you take us through what it is, what it does, why it's bad for the environment and the fish that you found in it? Yeah, so it was on the last morning fishing boys and gill net is basically just like a commercial fishing net. You string it out, it's got the big basically mesh holes, the fish come into it, they get caught up, you know, generally around their head and the gills um, and they're stuck in the net till the net is pulled. And these are so illegally? 100% illegal. Commercial fishermen in the right places are allowed to use them, but... Um, when a net is placed in a place like this in a waterway where there is no commercial netting because commercial netting has been banned in Gippsland Lake since April 2019. So, um, yeah, man, I was just heading up the lake and I drove past this, like, 10-litre water drum and there was a bit of breeze and it was just hanging really tight. And I'm like, I drove past it and went, that's not right. Got a few hundred metres past it and went, yeah, I better go and check. Went back to it. And this is this is the big thing. Like, this is what people need to be aware of too because, it's an illegal activity, right? So I went up to it, I grabbed the bottle, I pulled it up about a metre or two and I could see net and I could see two brims in it and then I look and 100 metres away I can see cray pot balls and I'm like, all right, that's the other end of the net. I let it go, seriously, like I had just picked up a dog poop. Like I'm serious, I just went, yeah, it's a net. Got away from it and went straight over to two other boats and said, guys, I found a net, can you come and help me? And that's this is really important because if you ever do find one, if it's had fisheries or whatever they've got surveillance on it and they could be sitting in the bushes watching waiting for the person to come back and get this net if you start pulling it you're guilty yep okay and that's what people need to be aware of so i grabbed these two other boats said guys you've got to come help me which they they both both boats were really happy to do so this way we could get photographs we could film it we could do everything we needed to do to prove that it wasn't our net all right i rang Fisheries couldn't get through straight away. Rang Frank Melito. He called the boss of Fisheries to tell them what was going on. And the reality is, I pulled the net because it was in the middle of Lake Tyres. It wasn't like it was hidden up a, a little arm or something. If it was, I would have left it, got Fisheries to go there, and they probably would have put surveillance on it to wait for the guys to come back and get it. But this was in quite a public spot. I reckon the guys had literally probably slept in or something and not, you know, pulled the net in time in the morning. Yep. So. Anyway, we pulled the net. In about 100 metres of net, there was over 60 fish. Um, about 40-odd were still alive, but in the net there was <clears throat> there was big mullet, 
There was Brim, Trevally, there was Estuary Perch, there was big sand crabs, and there was like 40 ludric that were like four to six pound ludric or blackfish. So um, the net was pretty full of fish, that's for sure, guys. So yeah, and then I had to load the net in my boat. Fisheries knew I had it. So, because if you get pulled up even on the highway or at the boat ramp and you've got a, you've a got net in, in your boat, it's the old, oh, no, it's not mine. Exactly. And you're like, sure it's not. Exactly. You know? So, so, talk, yep. so talk to Sorry. us about the, the once you'd, you'd done that, um, the flatties that you chased. I know you were, you were throwing a few Rapalas um, yep. and there's some, some great shots on your socials. Um, it's a great way to fish for, for big flatties. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Like it's, you know, I, I absolutely love getting down to any estuary system and spinning for, for flathead and especially big flathead. And I like fishing big hard bodies over shallow sand flats for them. And I think the big thing people would be really surprised about, Pat, is a lot of the big ones that you get, they come in knee-deep or less water. Yeah, yeah. So they're over these big sand flats. And look, anything up to six or seven feet of water is great. But those, if you said sand flats that are basically, you know, knee-deep to waist-deep, it is prime place to be fishing for these big flathead. They like big lures because they're, they're sitting up there for two reasons, A, to get warm and B, for a feed. But they don't like to bust their cover for a little three-inch long mullet. They'll bust their cover to eat an eight-inch long mullet, you know, or a whiting or something like that. So naturally, a big lure, you know, big hard body, big wide bait, it's just so good because you know throwing big lures in those areas when you get a bite, it's going to be generally a good fish. So. I think what some people think, yeah, a big lure, three inches long. No, you're genuinely talking about something that's eight inches in length. Like these yep. these whiting that you, um, or imitation whiting almost, that um, yep. you've got on your socials, they're massive. Yeah, yeah, but, but if we put it in perspective, like I always say to guys, try and put it in perspective. If you got a 90 mil long diver, right? If I was going and getting mullet in a bait trap to use live for a flathead, if I was getting about 90 mil long mullet, I'd be like, oh, they're not that big. Mm, so yeah, yeah. if people can put perspective on that, same thing. If you go with squid jigs, you give a guy a three and a half size squid jig and you go, oh, that's a big squid jig. And you go, mate, you put whole silver whiting under a float. You should see so, the size of the salmon that I was getting the squid under in the week. You'd be in shock. <laughs> well, like that, you just, if you try and put it in perspective, a lot of the time we are actually way undersized with our lures to what, the natural food source is so there i love nothing more than tying on 120 to 150 mil long hard body fishing for flathead patty that is like that to me is just fishing i absolutely love it and you know what the best thing is pat the best thing this will be good there's no snags on sand flats <laughs> <laughs> i thought there's going to be something estuary perch coming in here you know what no no, no, no snags. given that's the final comment i think we should wrap up. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap up lee <laughs> lee Raynard, thank you for joining us uh we're looking forward uh quite clearly to the new season of fishing edge as well lee Raynard, thank you thank you guys as always more information on fishing edge head to www.fishingedge.com.au that was gearing up for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. It's time for Red Review. It is, Pat. And today we're going to be talking about scales. And when I say scales, not the ones in your bathroom, Pat, where you check check your weight before you go out for your little skinfold test. It's. Uh, I don't think you've been using your scales in your bathroom. Too I don't actually own scales. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> I've got fishing scales. Though. That's one thing I do have. Now, you've got a thing 
There's different reasons to have scales. Now, obviously, the number one is to weigh fish. Yep. But number two, if you are getting into game fishing or if you want to uh, set drags to a, to a weight so you know exactly what pressure your drag's coming, out, uh, drag's coming out of your reel. And this is the most important part because often we'll talk about the drag resistance that you'll set. So this is important. But how do you know? And this is how. This is exactly how you know. And it's about buying the right scales. Now, I'm going to go just quickly to weigh your fish. So a digital crane scales, they're about 180 bucks or 250 bucks, and they weigh roughly up to 300 kilo. So they're going to do your sharks, your, your tuna, and your bigger tuna and whatnot, even your 40, 50 kilo tuna. So they're your bigger fish. Now, we'll talk about your average fish. So your snapper, your gummies, uh, your estuary perch, anything that you want to weigh, your smaller fish. You want to get... Just normal digital scales you can get from your tackle store. They're from 10 to 30 bucks. But one thing that I recommend is getting spring fishing scales, spring loaded. Now, the reason for this is, going back to what we just spoke about, setting drags. Yep. Now, the good thing with spring loaded uh, scales is it actually has a little lever, like a little uh, lever on the front of it where it stops at the max pressure that you pull out of the scale. So you can actually see what the weight is. So if I'm running digital scales, for instance, and I've got a swivel and I'm setting that drag at eight kilo for a 24 kilo rod, I pull it out and I'm trying to look at the digital scales and it's flicking different numbers, the digital scales. And that 15 to $30 scales doesn't give you the exact, like you're trying to look at it, you're like, is it, is it? And then when you let go, it might set at something else. And like, it does pause on a certain weight on eventually, but because you're moving back and forward naturally, it doesn't that give you an that you're just doesn't give you a natural, uh, an accurate reading. So those spring-loaded ones, you pull it out, and as you let go, it actually leaves that little, um, what would you call it? In, it's a little plastic bit out the front of it that actually scope. When when you pull it, it stops at the drag pressure or the weight that you've actually pulled out. When you actually release the weight, it stays there and gives you a guide or tells you exactly and how much you've actually pulled, pulled out, out of that rod. Yep. Now, if you go for snapper fishing, go snapper fishing. You say, "Oh, well, how much drag do you have?" Everyone goes, "Oh, I don't know, one to two kilo." It's not that you don't know what your drags are. It's literally and, purely and, and by what's hand. That? Yeah, yeah. You, you're just trying to deal with a feel. It's like, just literally uh, going by feel. So yep. if you do want to target species, now this comes into uh, line class records, world records, whatever it is. Now, we always set our drags at a third of the braking strain. So a 24 kilo outfit, we tend to run 24 kilo line. We run eight kilo drag pressure on strike. This is for a tuna, just to give a broad example. If you go, say, want to catch a 20 kilo tuna, and you go out there, now this might sound stupid to people, but people do this, and you're only going to use, say, six-pound line to catch one of these fish, you need to set your drags to a third of that so it doesn't break. So this comes into if you do want to get into line class records or even just know what drags on your reel, mm. or if you are going to target a big fish and understand what line pressure you can actually take uh, on that fish. For instance, if you've got like 24 kilo, 8 kilo, 37 kilo, 12 kilo, it's a 30-year breaking strain. So make sure you do get a set of scales and they will help you out your fishing massively. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. It's time for Red's Tip. It is, Patrick, and you caught me by surprise, and I was reading what you're going to talk about in your flying gas, so I apologise for that. Red's oh, I'm excited, about <laughs> right, that's why. Red's Tip this week is... Simple fish, snapper fishing. We're going snapper fishing, yep. and there's, I use there's braid. A, and there's a lot of people on the boat, so there's four or five on the boat. Yep. And obviously fishing in your your Titanic. And we want to make sure this could be a big challenge that we don't want everyone's 
rods to be tangled everywhere. Exactly. And when you snap a fish and if you want to catch fish, you want it to do a nice rod spread. And you don't want to have... You're targeting areas. So where the fish is sitting, you're allowing for tide and whatnot. For me, when you fish with myself, I don't care if it's myself or it's you, Patrick, whoever it is, but one person does the casting and the next person does the baiting. So someone baits the rods up and passes it to that person. Everyone's got a roll. Everyone's got a roll on the boat. And the reason for this is, if say, if I bait this pilly up and you bait the next silver whiting up and whatnot, if I cast that pilly out and you don't see where I cast it and you cast it to the similar area or if it's got the different size sinker on it and it's not going to sink at the same rate, then all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what you're using, braid, mono or wherever you are, you're going to have tangles. So all I can recommend is if you are targeting snapper, Make sure you sort of set a plan of attack where your baits are going to sit. If you are using two people to cast out, make sure you communicate. Start from the outside. So if, say, if Pat, you're working the starboard side, I'm on the port side. Cast out to the left and work your way back in or vice versa. Don't try and pinpoint in between rods. I'd ideally go with one person and they can do the fan of rods at the back of the boat and it's going to give you... A hell of a lot less dramas than what you're going to have if just five people start to throw it out. It's now time for the flying gaff, Patrick. What do you got for us? Well, a sneaky it, read of it. It's got to be, it's got to be Patter this week, unfortunately. Not our mate James Patterson. Our mate James uh, Patterson. He fought, fine, uh, one match um, worth of uh, of match fees, so won't be paid for the match. And suspended for one game. And suspended. Um, so unfortunately, it goes to Patter. I wanted to gaff the media, but you said Patrick. We can't. I don't know how you can go for the media. We, we have to set the right example. He threw a. I'm. I'm. What I Pato and I is a, he's a friend of mine, but he threw a ball at someone. Oh, it was ro- It was basically the chapels. You sound it was like, rolled. <laughs> you sound like a footballer got suspended for no reason last year. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining the show this morning. We hope you enjoyed it. It's time to head out fishing. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.